The Miami Dolphins traded for Chiefs superstar receiver Tyreek Hill, and this has an impact on how we view the Green Bay Packers' present, past, and future. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team oh, every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for the Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Tyreek Hill is no longer a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. He is going to the Miami Dolphins. This is a Green Bay Packers podcast. So why are we talking about that? Well, we are talking about it because according to the reporting around this trade, Tyreek Hill wanted Devontae Adams money. And in fact, he wanted more. He wanted to beat Devontae in every category, basically. More total money, more guarantees, more years, more annually. And he he did and he didn't ultimately. But the Kansas City Chiefs said, fine, then we're not doing that. Go find someone who will. And they traded him. And at first blush, you go, well, they got a lot more because they got a first round pick, a second round pick, two fourth round picks and a sixth round pick. But I did, I I ran the numbers. And if you use the traditional trade value chart, which is still, by the way, with with some tweaks, widely used around the league. This is a, a chart that assigns a point value to each draft pick to try and figure out, okay, what is the 21st pick worth versus the 29th? And this is how you put together trades. So the Packers trade for Devontae Adams to get 22 and 53 generates 259 points in draft value. The first and second and then fourth in this year's draft that the Chiefs get is 245. Now they got two additional picks in next year's draft, but the way that this draft chart is usually used. Future picks, we talked about this uh, uh, earlier, that a first and a second this year is kind of like a first and a first next year because teams tend to view picks as declining in value the further out you go. And so a fourth round pick next year is really a fifth round pick in value. A sixth round pick next year is really a seventh round pick in value. Miami, their fifth this year would be worth 11. Their seventh would be worth three. 245 plus 14 is, wait for it, 259. So if you didn't follow any of that math, and I understand if you didn't, I did it so you didn't have to. If you don't follow any of that math, I can confirm 
that those are the same numbers, 259 and 259. So the Packers and the Chiefs got roughly the same amount of value for their two players. Tyreek Hill gets a four-year, $120 million deal, which is ostensibly $30 million APY. That's not really what happened. In fact, Ian Rappaport initially reported that this was a three-year, $75 million extension. Drew Rosenhaus got mad about that and made him re-say uh, I was going to say retweet, but different connotation. And oh, no, no, it's actually a four years for 120, 75 million guaranteed, whatever, whatever. That's not the point. The point is, it's not that. It's a three year deal. Terry Kill, 15 months younger. They got the same, essentially the same value in this deal. So I think. From from a past standpoint, you go, okay, well, Devontae Adams only really wanted to go to Vegas, and the Packers were able to negotiate the same deal that Tyreek Hill got on essentially the open market. And our understanding of the way this went down was Tyreek Hill got to pick between the, the Jets and the Dolphins. He picked the team that is much closer to competing and I I, I think was a better deal because it included a first round pick rather than two seconds this year um, and and some stuff from the Jets. The Jets were trying to keep four and 10. Apparently those picks were not on the table. The Packers got good value to me for Devontae Adams because there were people in my in my Twitter timeline trying to argue Tyreek Hill's better than Devontae Adams, which is like, first of all, no. But second of all, there were people saying outlandish stuff about what Tyreek Hill was worth in a trade. I mean, outlandish stuff two firsts and two seconds or, you know, uh, the, the 10th pick and a second round pick and Elijah Moore, like just absolutely bonkers stuff that was just never going to happen. But, but this tells us that this is actually where the market is for guys like Devontae Adams and Tyree kill guys who are either up for a contract in the case of Devontae Adams and on the tag or, are set to be up for a contract. And that has ramifications for the Packers' future, but affects the way that we look at their past, right? Because their past is Devontae Adams. So this the Devontae Adams deal, such that they had to make one, they did well to get the value that they eventually extracted in this deal. Now, right now, they don't have Devontae Adams. That's a big deal. <laughs> the Chiefs signed Juju Smith-Schuster and they have Travis Kelsey. Juju would be the best receiver currently on the Packers. And they don't have anyone near as good as Travis Kelsey. Now, I think the Packers have the better offensive line. I think they have the better running game. Uh, and the quarterbacks are the two guys in the league. So that's pretty even. The Chiefs are in a better situation moving forward. Now, though, you have to think. This whole strategy thing that we talked about earlier this week about going up to get your guy. Well, what if the Chiefs want to go up and get their guy? Now they have two first-round picks and the same need you do to move up. Now you have 22 and you have 28. The Chiefs have 29 and 30. So if everyone just stays put, you're going to be in a position to get your guy. Would the Chiefs try and preempt you? Move up to 21, to 20, to 19, to 18. 17 is the place that you'd want to get to if you're the Packers. If you want to move up, 
because there are there are teams right in front of you who are going to be interested in receivers, the Patriots, the Saints, the Steelers, the Eagles, depending on what the Eagles do with some of their earlier picks by 19, they may be going in a different direction. So that's part of the equation as well. But when you, by the time you get to 17, you'll know that. And if you want your guy, if you need to get your guy, you, you probably at least need to consider moving up. This is also important for the way we view the future in the trade market. There was a report um, that Seattle will, a, a new report, that Seattle will listen to offers for both Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf, that they are at least willing to hear offers, which is always funny because every team is always willing to hear offers. They're going to pick up the phone. Now, they may just say, don't bother. Hey, what do you think about? And you just say, and enough. We're not talking about it. It's not happening. We're not trading him. That could happen. But we have, a, we have a clear view of what these kinds of players are worth. And DK Metcalf is not 28, 29 years old. He's 24. And he is still very much in the physical prime of his career. So is he worth just as much as he's not as good a player as those guys? He's just not. So we don't even have to. I really don't think we need to go through the charade of like, oh, but he's not. We just know he's not. Just like objectively, he's not as good. But he's younger and probably cheaper. Like, I don't know if DK Metcalf is going to be able to say Hey, I want 30 million. I think 20 to 25. I mean, Tyreek Hill, like I said, really got 25. It's going to say 30 APY, but that's not what it was. Would you go to 20, 25? Uh, that you didn't want to go above 25 for Devontae Adams. Would you do it for DK Metcalf? Now, again, age difference. This also has tack on effects for Seattle. Because DK Metcalf might want 25, 28, 30. And Seattle might say, we're not doing that. And so in the absence of any sort of consensus on contract value, then it becomes, well, then trade me and trade me now. It would make sense for the Seahawks to trade him now. They are flush with draft picks. They could get even more, restock. This team is going nowhere in 2022 and move forward. This also, I mean, the, the, the bang on effects of this are immense. This also could have someone like DK Metcalf going to Seattle and saying, let's just not even bother. You're not going to give me what I want. And I don't know what my future is here with the quarterback position. You might be convincing yourself that Drew Locke can play. I'm not doing that. I'd rather go play with Aaron Rodgers. Trade me. Or there might be a, a receiver out there that we don't know about who's unhappy and might say, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I don't think this team is, is going to take me where I want to go. Trade me. We did not see Devontae Adams getting dealt. 
We did not see Tyree Kill getting dealt. And so is there another star receiver out there who is going to agitate for a contract or who is extension eligible? That whole class, Debo, A.J. Brown, Deontay Johnson, there's some really good players in that class who might say, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. You're not going to pay me what I want. And so let's, let's find an amicable way to move forward. Let's find an amicable way to move forward, which means me not being here anymore. Now, this also has impacts on how the Packers are going to build their receiver room. And we're going to talk about that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. The NBA is hot right now. There is a lot of fun stuff going on. The Bucs are on a roll. The Celtics are on a roll. Miami, the Heat are fighting with each other. The, The Suns cannot be stopped Plenty of fun stuff to wager on there. Golf is hitting its stride, and they've got live betting, plus your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online, where the game starts. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL, which is Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available on all platforms. Pro Football Focus did a study. Are you asleep yet? (laughs) Wake up. This dovetails with what we were just talking about. Because the Chiefs decided, Terry Kill, not worth the money. Let me get the picks. The Packers decided, Devontae Adams, not worth the money. Let me get the picks. Because the Packers could have played hardball with Devontae Adams. They didn't. The Chiefs could have played hardball with Tyreek Kill. They didn't. Why? Is there some wisdom in this? Pro Football Focus did a study a year or two ago where they found that the receiver position in terms of how it correlates to wins is actually not tied to how good your best player is, but how good your depth is. This was surprising to me because you look around the league and there are plenty of teams Teams like the Saints, who have a Michael Thomas, and that was enough to get them to the NFC Championship game. That was enough to get to the playoffs multiple times. The Titans only had A.J. Brown. Okay. The Ravens don't have anybody. Uh, And the Packers with Devontae Adams. This is a team that went to -to back-to-back NFC Championship games. They were the one seed two straight years. They were a first-round bye team three straight years. And that was really when Devontae Adams had ascended into that elite upper echelon level. The the Texans with DeAndre Hopkins, they would go to the playoffs every year. Now they'd lose, but they went. The, the Bengals with A.J. Green. They had Marvin Jones and some other guys, but you can see how this idea comes to be just have some nice complimentary pieces and I think this is generally speaking how the Packers have viewed the position but what the study found was 
in the playoffs especially, this gets exacerbated because presumably the teams are better at taking out your best weapon. So even though Devontae Adams is incredible and is and is the best receiver in the league and can t- handle the doubles and even the triple teams, hello Baltimore, that are coming his way, in the playoffs it becomes more important that you have depth. Now, there is going to be a group of you who are going... We told you this. We told you this. That they need a wide receiver too. Yes and no. It's not that you need a high-end number two because this article was actually written through the prism of what was going on in Seattle. That they had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but that wasn't enough because their third receiver is nothing. Is no one. Now, What is interesting, and this is where I push back on the people that say, see what I mean. Go back and look at the last three playoff losses for Green Bay. I went back and looked. So what the study found was the wide receiver three grade was actually the thing that correlated the most to winning. That how well your secondary playmakers played. You need that guy to step up was actually more correlated than what your your best receiver did, especially if you account for where the pecking order, where it was before the playoffs, which is to say, you know, like two years ago, Devontae Adams was the Packers' third best receiver by PFF grade. But before that, he was their first. But if you go back and look at the three playoff losses over the last three years for Green Bay against the 49ers, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb graded better than Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings. The Tampa Bay game, NFC Championship game, Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling graded out better than Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller. And if you go back to the NFC Championship game three years ago, it's the same thing. So we can look at those games and go, well, it was because of X, Y, Z. You go, well, because the secondary guys they didn't play well enough against the 49ers. They didn't play well enough against the Bucs. Well, they actually played better than the team who was supposedly had a better receiving group. Had a supposedly had a deeper receiving group. So I don't say that to undercut the findings. What I, I say that to say it's not the reason that Green Bay has been losing in the playoffs. So I want to push back against the criticism on Green Bay specifically. Why am I bringing this up now? Well, because what I think this study shows, or at least suggests, is that you, if you're, especially if you're an offense with a great quarterback like the Packers and the Chiefs, you don't need the virtuosity at wide receiver one. You don't need the Devontae Adams level guy. What you need are multiple pieces, all of whom can be good. You don't need to have what the Bucs had when it's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. All those guys are number one caliber players. But you need to have what the Bills had with Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, and Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis has the monster playoff game. He's wide receiver four on that team. Three, four. 
That's what you're looking for. You need the Cowboys who have Cedric Wilson as wide receiver four. I mean, not that they're, you know, a, a playoff franchise, but that's the idea. And so Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Gantling have actually been pretty solid players for the Packers in the playoffs. That's what I'm trying to explain here. They have not lacked secondary options. That's not actually been why they have lost special teams last year. Three years ago, it was the run defense. Um, and two years ago, it was just weirdness. NFC Championship game. Devontae Adams didn't play well. Rodgers played okay for the second half. And guys like Cedaria Smith just didn't show up. That was weird. Their best players didn't play well in that game, not their secondary players. So while this the data might show something is true in the aggregate, if we can look at these individual pieces, you go, okay, well, that's not exactly what happened here. It's not happened, what happened here. It's not what happened here. But let's take the aggregate data when we're trying to talk about the best way to build a roster. So that suggests, I think, exercising some caution when it comes to trades. I'm not saying don't try and go get DK Metcalf. Explore what the cost would be, but don't feel like you need to spend a first and a fourth and $25 million on DK Metcalf because if you have Aaron Rodgers, you have Matt LaFleur, and you have already some solid complementary pieces you don't need to swing for the moon quite like that. Would it make more sense to wait until after the draft and, and post June 1 and try and pry Tyler Lockett away from Seattle when they've come to realize he does not align with their timeline? You have to wait until after June 1 for the money. doesn't make sense for, for Seattle to trade him before that. Or does that make more appealing the option of sign Julio, draft a couple of players, and go forward with that group. Because you go back to our podcast yesterday with Jerron Reed and Russell Douglas and Devondre Campbell in the fold now with this defense. Jair Alexander coming back. This defense is going to be really good. It's going to be really good. This offensive line is going to be really good. The running game we know is going to be really good. The tight end room is solid. They could use an infusion of athleticism in there, but Big Bob Tunyon is going to be back. Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara. And we know Alan Lazar, Randall Cobb, and Mari Rogers. Sounds like Marquez Valdez-Scantling could be a chief by the time you listen to this podcast. They need another guy, and they need a rookie. That's what they need. They don't have to swing for the fences. Now, that other guy needs to be able to play. So that's why someone like Will Fuller, if you're going to get Will Fuller, you probably need to have some more insurance beyond that. Or you need to be willing to move up in the first round to get one of those alpha types, a Drake London, a Traylon Burks. Chris Olave, I think, is a 1B type. But I think the kind of player that in this offense could absolutely put up wide receiver one type numbers. The, the comp that that was given to me by uh, by Jake Morley, friend of the show, was uh, Chad Ochocinco for Chris Olave. He had TJ Hushmanzada, but not a you know not an elite quarterback the same way that Aaron Rodgers is. Carson Palmer was good, not great. That's that's a nice upside. I think he's ready to come in and, and give you something right away. If that's your if that's your target, you better make sure you go get him though. 
So this all impacts the way that you build your team, at least the way that I look at it. Now that doesn't mean, again, doesn't, doesn't mean don't try and go out and get somebody. It doesn't mean don't try to gr- aggressively get better because they can and there are options out there. But you don't have to overpay. And I think it lends credence to the moves that the Packers and the Chiefs made. It's not a coincidence, and this has been pointed out on social. It's not a coincidence that two teams that have consistently won over the last decade ditched high-priced receivers and traded them to two teams who have been floundering for the last decade plus. Last 20 years, really. That's probably not a coincidence. So we'll see how it impacts the Packers in their decision-making. But I think there's a lot of information, good information, that will help them make choices moving forward and help them lay out a path to getting this offense good enough to go compete for a Super Bowl because that's the goal. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. All right, we are going to be back tomorrow. Uh, We have the call, if we need it, the bat signal. If there's a move made, if there are more moves made, I'm interested to see what happens with some of these second wave free agents. There's plenty of guys still out there, guys who could be impactful on this team. I'm interested to see how the Packers handle this offensive line. They have not brought in veteran help. They could use some veteran help along the interior, for example, Lucas Patrick now out of the building. If Elton Jenkins is indeed going to right tackle, all of a sudden their depth inside is is pretty thin. Now it means they have a nice swing tackle in Yash Nijman. They probably have their starting group, although you could probably upgrade that guard spot. They like Royce Newman. We'll see. I don't think he's shown enough that you're just like, well, we're not going to do anything. But they'll, I think their draft moves will tell us a lot about where they where they view this offensive line. If they take a tackle in the first round. Elton Jenkins probably staying at guard and John Runyon Jr. and Royce Newman are going to battle it out for that right guard spot. That might be the best way to go. I I would be a little worried about that because of the on-off splits with Aaron Rodgers and pressures versus clean. But I could also see the wisdom of it as well. So there's a lot for us to still talk about. Uh, We have the culmination of our um, leap series on draft receivers. If you missed the Wednesday installment on the leap. We went through the guys who qualify and borderline qualify under the athletic parameters that Green Bay tends to like at receiver. So this is the perfect partner content for what we're talking about here. Part one with the list of those guys and why and why it's important is on Wednesday. That is a uh, a, a free article right now because we have a seven day trial. I would highly recommend you go get that at the leap a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. And then on Friday, uh, we add the statistical model. You guys know I like Dominator. You know I like Breakout Age. And try and figure out who the cleanest prospects are for the Packers to target. If they're going to target someone, who do you target? 
Where are they going to be picked? Who are the day two guys that you could get? Who are the day three flyers that you could take on athletic traits and and college production? How does this all fit together? That's coming up on Friday at The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.